0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 195 for Tuesday, March 24th, 2009. Mm -hmm.
1: Folks, and welcome to the Mac whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa! Geek careful, man! <laughs> careful, careful! You, you, you can already tell. I, I, I think here. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just start things off and award Dave the, the, uh, the geek chalice um, for <laughs> duty above and beyond because is that chalice is filled, filled with tea with honey, John? I, I think uh, for your sake it should be. I yes, think so. that's, that's probably one of the better. Yeah, we, you, you asked for recommendations from our, our crew, and I, th- I think that's a good one, right? Tea and honey. Tea and honey. Yeah. So I I
1: was at South by Southwest last week. I think at some point during the interactive conference, I I contracted you know a, a minor head cold, and uh, I I, th- I I was in denial about it until about Saturday, um, you know halfway actually almost to the end of the music festival, and then realized you know my voice is going, and I, so. Uh, and then, you know, Saturday night, I uh, actually didn't get any sleep whatsoever. I had a 6 a.m. flight, wheels up, you know, 6 a.m., which meant uh, that, you know, I was at a show that ended at 2, so there wasn't really much point in sleeping, considering I had to get to the airport by about 5, so... I'm paying for it now, with uh, with less of a voice, although much better than last night, so I'm glad we postponed one day. Anyway... We have all sorts of stuff to talk about here. I can talk about South by Southwest. I should talk about that a little bit while I've still got a some voice. I, I stacked up the show, as you know, John, with lots of audio comments, folks. And, and that is most definitely by design to keep me from uh, over talking, over taxing, over talking. What is that? I don't know. So South by Southwest was cool. I'm going to the, the one thing that I def, I definitely want to talk about that I'm going to probably save till our next show is an interview that I saw with Michael Penn um the uh musician songwriter uh film score composer because i want to be able to talk uh about that and i don't i don't want my voice to burn out because it was actually a really cool thing so i'm going to save that at, and and talk about the uh the interactive conference so you know i went last year too john right and uh the coolest part about about south by southwest is how many smart people are there thinking about doing things that aren't uh just standard and mainstream it, now this
0: is to review i'm I'm kind of a, a yeah. newbie i know what it stands for but it's a i believe it's a three-pronged show as far as there's er, help me out here I, yeah. I, I thought there were three main tracks to the show and you could follow one or all if you chose i guess one of it is music right
1: Cor- and, correct and so stuff. yeah i i and i i'm gonna guess at the uh the history of this here but i'm pretty sure the music festival was was the first bit of it um, and, and that's when it started. And then they added the film festival. And then recently, and when I say recently, I think it was the, certainly within the last 10 years and, and maybe even more recently than that, they added uh, an interactive festival. So the music festival is um, conferences during the day sessions um, from musicians, uh, people in the industry. But really the, the big focus of the music festival is all the showcases at night. And the idea is, there's a lot of record company executives in town, a lot of people uh in the in the industry, be they work for a record company or, or various other things. And if you're a band that uh, that wants to get exposed to all these people, you apply to play at, at South by Southwest. And uh if you're approved, then you go and you get like one or and sometimes more than one if you if you can negotiate the right way, uh, forty minute set. And and so you go and you play your best tunes and you you know rock the house and then uh 20 minutes later, some other bands on stage. So it's a, it's a cool thing to go to as a, as a music fan, uh, because I saw 35 bands in four days.
0: So at the yeah, end, it's of the like stage. speed banding.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it is. But the cool part is if a band's good, well, you look on the schedule and you see, maybe you can catch them again. But if a band's not so good, you know, you, you only got to sit through 40 minutes of them and then, you know, somebody else will be on stage. And so it's, it's, it, it works out really well. It's exactly the right amount of time they've, they've worked it out. But I think there were 1600 bands or something like that playing last week. Wow. Mm-hmm. So the interactive part of the conference, which happens at the beginning of the week, uh, it, it really is. It, you know, it's it's the place where Twitter kind of got its legs uh, two years ago. It's um it, it, you know, and then last year, of course, there was the, the keynote speech where people sort of took over the speech via Twitter. Um, it, all the attendees, I think there's about 9000 people that attend. And it it really just is a fantastic meeting of the minds. So if, if it's something, you know, if, if anybody interested in this industry in any way, shape or form, it, it really is kind of the the best trade show to go to in terms of getting in touch with all the other people interested in this industry and and pushing to move it forward and and all that good stuff it's it's a fantastic show uh except you couldn't it it was it was like i you know i was gonna say it was like visiting a third world country but i think that would be an insult to third world countries and
0: i'm gonna guess you're talking about something related to wireless coverage uh Internet access, internet access in general.
1: And and yes, wireless coverage is is one of the things wireless, meaning AT&T's coverage. But also, you know, it, it drives me crazy. And this is true about most trade shows going to a hotel and having Internet access. That's just terrible. I, I mean, it, you know, I spent the whole week down there, either in my hotel room or elsewhere. The only place I had decent Internet access was at the convention center on their Wi-Fi. Right. Anywhere else. Uh, I you know, 3G service on, on the iPhone or even edge service on the iPhone was terrible. Wi-Fi in the hotel was, you know, marginally better than that. You could at least get on. Yeah. I, and, you know, the thing I don't understand is, sure, during the interactive part of the conference, there's 9000 people that come. Macworld Expo, I think they ha- I don't I don't think they released numbers if they did. I missed it. Uh, it must have been last week. But, you know, it, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50,000 people and they worked it out. They planned for six months ahead of time. We even talked to Paul about Paul Kent about how they did all this, or at least in general. And uh, an AT&T made it happen. And, and it wasn't stellar, but at least the stuff worked it, in in Austin. It was terrible. And, you know, AT&T said, you know, last Sunday night or a week ago Sunday, they said, oh, we've made some adjustments to the infrastructure. It's going to be so much better. It was still crap. There was no difference. It was it went from not oh, working to, to not working.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't get I have a go ahead more. No, just major fail is what it was. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, and and I I know some of the people that organized the conference down there. I like them very dearly. But but this is a major failure on the part of not only AT&T, but the conference organizers not to prepare for this. uh, Totally unacceptable, if you ask me.
0: No, I'm with you. And I think I've gone on about this. Um, I went to an event at the uh, I think it was a photo expo of sorts at the Javits Center in New York City. Yep. And I'm like in the press room. I'm like, where's the, the Wi-Fi? And they're like, oh, you got to pay for it. I'm like, huh. Yeah, right. Yeah. They had one, you know, lowly PC sitting there that, that media supposedly could try to use to cover the event. But I'm like, dude, give me a break at least give me a code or something. I mean, we've seen that at, you know, the the shows we go to. Um, little deviation because I ran into this this week. Um, a lot of my coworkers have uh, iPhones or iPods. uh iPod touches and one of them uh, had an iPhone and it, it was wedged, man. He's like, what's going on? I, I, I think it was stuck on the power down screen. I've seen this happen yep. before. And it's just wedged. And I'm like, wow, what do I do? And I held down some of the buttons because a lot of devices, you hold down a button for a long time, like, most laptop computers you hold down the power button for about ten seconds, five or ten seconds. Right. And it shuts it down no matter what. Right. Um, I missed out on the thing, so just to share with people, with a iPhone or iPod touch, if you hold down both, I guess we'll call it the sleep or power button and the home button, which is pretty much the only other button on the device, ten seconds and it will it better. <laughs> if it, forces, it doesn't, then you have then you have big problems. A reboot. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And the other thing is, if you want to find out what caused it, and this is what some people ask me, Apple has a nice tool, which is probably not for everybody, but if you'd like to check it out, it's um, the iPhone configuration utility, which is not just for the iPhone, but also the iPod Touch. And since you know those devices are basically little Linux computers, there's a console where if you install this utility, it'll see the device. You can look at the console. There may be some little secrets preceding the catastrophic failure of the device wedging um you know was it a wireless thing a 3g thing who who the heck knows but um and that's uh, apple.com slash support slash iphone slash enterprise uh and we'll link to that but uh wanted to toss those out and then uh and i ranted about this too i I was on the mac jury dave and you've been on the mac jury too with uh chuck and and the whole crew here uh it was a great podcast we were talking about the latest iphone and uh, we had not six not seven but Eight people simultaneously on Skype. Oh yeah, I was amazed. Number one that it worked, though we did get dumped at one point. Uh, but number two, that eight people and and you know a lot of them, you know Peter and uh, and Chuck and and the other Chuck and, and yeah. all those guys. Yeah, um, Tanya I think was on there. But uh, it worked out amazingly well. I got to say that's rough, man. For eight people on a Skype to do a show, I I, I was fearing the worst, but it, it was a very pleasant experience. So we'll link to that as well. Well, that's good. Yeah, definitely. That's and awesome. What else? So uh,
1: to I'm gonna up. I'm gonna actually ask those of you that are shaking your fists in anger. Uh, what? We, we know that the iPhone doesn't run Linux. It runs uh, oh, a, B, a flavor of BSD that that is very similar to to what Macs right.
0: run. So Open BSD, I think, is yeah. the flavor that yeah. the they're yeah, based on.
1: You you had said Linux and I knew you didn't mean actually Linux. You meant Unix in in general. But, Unixy. Uh, yes. But, uh, I
0: just figured we we'd stop
1: the fish shaking for okay. now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but but the the format of the console file I'd say is is well, who knows? It, it's probably similar across platforms, but pardon my slip.
1: <laughs> we we pardon you. We pardon you. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. That's what we're here for. Uh you know, before we get too much deeper and before my voice shreds too much. I do want to uh, tell you about our sponsor for this show, and that is Circus Ponies with Notebook. Now, Notebook, the idea behind Notebook is, uh, and this is at CircusPonies.com, it's an application that allows you to create multiple files, and each one starts out life looking like a notebook, and you can organize them by any category you want, you know, you're you're free to do how whatever you like with them. So you could have one for personal stuff, one for work stuff, or you could have one for if you're a student, each subject in school or perhaps each project at work or even each project at home. Uh, you know, Kevin had written in uh, and he said, I want a copy of notebook from Circus Ponies last year, and I didn't think I would use it much. Was I ever wrong? It's so handy. I use it for clipping recipes while I'm surfing the web, grabbing bits of information that I would otherwise put on a sticky, organizing my projects and saving miscellaneous bits of family information. So for folks that it's th- that think it's just for busy executives, it's not. It's useful for anybody and I highly recommend it. This is circusponies, uh, circusponies.com notebook version 3.0. Of course, you can get a 30-day free test drive and after that it's 49.95, so 50 bucks. Uh, after you test it out, and I, uh, you know, I uh, I think that's all I have to say. CircusPonies.com. dot com. Nope. Okay. Three
0: point. You know, I was going to offer, so so I think we're going to Jeremiah,
1: right? Uh, yeah, I'm going to skip this. Uh, I did a service call last week, actually, for the first time, and I wanted to talk about that, but we'll 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 go to Jeremiah first, and I might come back to this. See, on we'll see how my throat is.
0: Okay, well, well, I I wanted to offer first to read the whole thing for you, but I think I can summarize it. Can can I try that? Uh, Or I'll just read the whole thing. Just read it. Yeah. Okay. Jeremiah says, hey, guys. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) this. Come on, we're a team. Sorry. Hey, guys, my main computer is an original MacBook Pro from early 2006. Note this. Due to limited hard drive space, I wirelessly stream my iTunes through my AirPort Extreme with a third-party 500-gigabyte hard drive connected to it. I also used to back up my computer with Time Machine wirelessly through a second hard drive connected the same way with the USB hub. The problem is that my computer only has 802.11G wireless, which runs like a dog. Are you aware of any adapter that I would be able to connect my MacBook Pro to to get the wireless speeds increased? Thanks a bunch. Keep up the hard work, Jeremiah. All right. I'm going to point something out here. Uh,
1: If Jeremiah had a rock solid connection to his uh, 802.11G base station... He'd be mm. fine I, I mean there's there's no way that he's streaming data fast enough to soak up the maximum that uh, you know the the i know it's fifty four megabits, but really we know it's like 25. practically it's about half yeah right okay uh, but there's no way he's streaming that kind of data however, if the sig- as the signal d- declines and degrades as you get further away and there's more interference, the maximum throughput goes down, and that could be what he's worried about so valid question uh-huh
0: yeah. And and doing a bit of research. Now, the thing is, he's, you know, if he had just waited. And this is advice to everybody. Wait as long. (laughs) Wait as long as possible. Bad advice. Sorry. Oh, Apple's just going to shake
1: their fist. Oh, it's regardless of Apple. I think it's bad
0: advice. If you need a computer today, buy a computer today. No, I do that, too. Yeah. But the last one both you and I got at the same time is just, you know, it was, you know, about the right time. We were going to Macworld. It was something new. Um, and to move to Intel, I think, which was uh, the goal for both of us. But anyway, so if he has, which I looked in Apple's specs database, now we talked about this, it sounds to me like he has the early 2006 model, which, alas, is a core duo. That, that sounds like the same model I had, the, the very first uh, of, the, uh, of the MacBook Pros. And, right. and I had the same and, one. Yep. And the bad news with that machine, as far as I can tell, is... At least not with Apple, um, you cannot upgrade the wireless hardware in that machine. Not the internal hardware, that's correct. Correct, that it comes with. However, if he had waited a little longer, which, you know, I don't want to do the... Yeah, you can't wait forever. But if only... But but the machines that came out later that year, which I believe is the vintage that you and I have, Dave. No. Or no, we have the 2007. We have have much later than that, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but this was the first machine that had the core... To Duo. Now, in other words, due to that, but if you look on uh you know the spec page for that machine, it says, hey, you know, I came with, or at least the early models, came with a g G, but you can either with this machine purchase from Apple an updater airport extreme 802.n enabler for mac we will link to this it's one dollar 99 cents thank you sarbanes oxley <laughs> is up with that um but also reading into this thing a bit apparently if you purchase a airport base station it also will come with this That's at least right. some will that's right. So, and I think
1: didn't didn't Leopard also add that functionality, or maybe not. Probably.
0: Maybe, yeah, yeah. Well, it That's sounds like there's better. multiple ways yes. outside of paying a dollar ninety nine.
1: It, it was just uh, all the ways had to circumvent or be accountable to the uh, Sarbanes Oxley rules, which, which right. are ridiculous. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know that, those are the rules that uh, were put in place not that long ago, less than 10 years ago, I think, right, uh, for publicly traded companies and how they report revenue, and, and you can't report revenue on something and then add features to it later uh, without adding you know, some other bit and piece of it. And really that part of it's ridiculous. The best part is that it makes the CEO and CFO of publicly traded companies sign and be liable for the accuracy of the information in the corporate yep. tax returns.
0: So that's why we're private, baby.
1: You got it. Wait a minute. I still have to sign the tax returns, though. Yeah. I still have to be liable but, but for it. But
0: you see, you can have the blue book and the red book, and, and that's okay.
1: <laughs> well, it's okay to it. It's okay with, just with some
0: parameters.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Okay. So, anyway, so, so to follow on to this, uh, so it sounds like he's out of luck with an Apple solution, but um, you, you found at least one, Dave. So, I mean, you've got to imagine on this machine, you have a USB port and an express card port and there i i did a a brief survey of the space and i'm sure there's something out there though a lot of them i stumbled across windows as a system configuration i don't and i'm going to guess there's not a generic usb or express card to wi-fi adapter driver in mac os 10
1: no i i think similar to our wi-fi adapters which are only g Ah, yes um excuse me they they um it's different software for each device. But, I, yeah, I did. I looked at uh, Otherworld Computing, and they have the the newer tech um, device, and I'm looking for it here. And,
0: of course, Safari wasn't open because it was acting yeah. funky on my computer. And but I set. saw Belkin, I think, has some—they uh, have several adapters, does like Belkin's, I Does
1: Belkin's confirm Mac capability, though? I, I'm not. I only looked at a couple, so— Okay, because I, I, this, I, this newer tech one, the Max Power 802.11 NGB USB adapter— definitely has Mac software and uh, you can either put it directly in the machine like a little uh, dongle or you can hang it off with a with a USB cable but uh, but it works it's USB dot 802.11n full speed and um, it's definitely got Mac software and it's 40 bucks I mean it's just not that much money so you know if, if you if you need that kind of connectivity this is this is you know certainly one way to go I haven't used it though, so I can't say for sure
0: okay, so we definitely want to hear from you know anybody who uses a wi fi solution that's not built in yeah, let us know uh, I would suspect express cards similar to uh you know e v d o modems I think are pretty much express card um mm-hmm. I, I would think that's another avenue, so uh yeah, I'll poke around a bit and but, but yes, let us know
1: uh yeah, the e v d modems I've used have been u s b actually and they work
0: fine, really, yeah. Okay, yeah. but I think some of them, was it Brian? I think Brian had an EVDO one. That's USB, Huh. Yeah. Okay. But I've seen them at uh, people at trade shows. I, I know they exist. I think Verizon or something like that. Yeah. Cool. Okay, Pat? Pat.
1: Let me see if I can find Pat. Now, of course, you know, because we're doing so many audio comments, we're 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 running the risk of, of the show going into super stutter mode, but...
2: John and Dave, it's Pat in Minnesota. Um, called a couple times. Eh, sorry about the um, early phone call, I was uh, listening to you guys before bedtime so I could dream about Mac programming, yay. Um, I had a bugging question I thought I would call before I'd forget it. I, being a college kid, have a uh, nice little crappy router at uh, my apartment. Just a D-Link router, um, but the most obnoxious thing that I'm having, um, my MacBook Pro keeps on losing the connection to the uh, D-Link router. Um, it just disconnects. I, I have no idea why. Um, I'm thinking maybe it has to do with something somebody else's computer. Um, there's three Macs and an uh, HP uh, laptop. Um, iMac, a MacBook, a MacBook Pro, and an HP laptop. I'm trying to think maybe somebody else's computer is having problems with it or it's trying to do something. I have no idea. But I am the only person having problems. And uh, I am the closest to the router. And we even have an external large antenna on it because we bought one because I was hoping maybe it would make a difference. Um, But I still have no idea what's wrong with it. I have... I am completely stumped. I've tried multiple things. I have tried um, putting myself in a static IP. I have tried, uh, um, let's see, that's <laughs> Sorry about this. Probably about it. But um, if you could shed some light on my issue, if you have any ideas of what it is, um, that would be terrific. All
1: right. Uh, so there, there's two ways to go with this, John. There is the let's blame someone else. Uh, mm-hmm. Path of of potential solutions, and then I'd there's like the, one. and then there's the. Let's blame myself, and and so since he started down the path of let's blame someone else, uh, let, let's just follow that at first here, and then we can circle back and and go the other direction.
0: So, <laughs> well, I love that one, but blaming somebody else, I think, would pretty much uh, the conclusion is that there's something else nearby. That's that's just uh you know RF is RF. Um, if you have too many sources, uh, that bad things will happen. So I, I think that was uh, that's where you're getting at. Is it, 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 now it could be, and we've covered in the past, it could be other base stations. It could be other RF devices, uh, cell phones, uh, cordless phones, uh, all sorts of wireless things. There's there's more and more every day. So I, I think that's the first place to look. Um, and I guess there are various stumblers we we may uh, talk about a specific one now another thing i'm thinking is uh in the blame blame someone else shenanigans i told you i was gonna say that okay say shenanigans you're not sh- <laughs> you're not shocked but anyways oh. uh if uh, now if you're uh, now most uh i think uh this is not an apple product uh, did you say it a Linksys? i think d-link d-link or d-link okay one, one of the uh yeah, popular consumer brands. There has to be a way to turn off broadcasting or beaconing or whatever you want to call it. Hide your SSID so that, uh, I mean, somebody could be goofing around with him and just trying to log in and just cause all sorts of trouble and maybe knocking him off or or getting in if your security's not set up right and just screwing things up and, and knocking other people off uh, based on what whatever the heck they're doing. So step one, make sure your base is secured don't broadcast the uh, name if you don't have to most devices or any device i've seen um that works properly you can punch in the name manually um set up an encryption encryption scheme wpa2 use a password that's not stupid <laughs> or password <laughs> and uh i think you're in better shape so it could be due to tampering uh, who the heck knows dave um uh, what do you think
1: well i'll uh, i'll say when we when we talk about stumblers, we're talking about typically the app that, that we usually use is, is one called iStumbler, and it will show you all the other base stations or all the base stations that your computer can see. And what you're looking for there is to see if there's another base station sitting on the same channel as your D-Link router. And if there is, that could cause exactly this problem. Uh, so if that's the case, or even if it's not the case, go ahead and change the channel on the router anyway. Now, you may have already tried this, Pat, but... It's just good troubleshooting. Change the channel, see if that fixes it. Um, the The other thing, and and this sort of uh, this starts to circle this back to blame myself mode, um, mm-hmm. is if the router is an eight oh two dot eleven n capable router, there is no way to tell your Mac only connect at B or 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 G. Really, uh, I have seen two different laptops, two different Mac laptops that would not reliably stay connected at N speeds um, to third-party routers. Actually, I saw one that wouldn't even stay connected to a time capsule at N speeds. But if you force the router to limit its speed, to not do N and to only to do B and G, uh, that can fix it. Now, of course, it lowers your speed, but uh, but if that solves the problem, then so be it. On a D-Link router, I think that's going to be pretty obvious in the... uh, In the interface on Apple's routers, it gets interesting if you go into the airport utility and you go to the wireless um, section there, usually you can just pick uh, N only or N, B and G. Right. And and you can pick N in five gigahertz mode or N in in 2.4 gigahertz mode. If you hold down the option key and then click on that same menu, you get a bunch more options, one of which is 2.4 gigahertz mode, BNG only. Uh, So try that as well uh, to see if that solves the problem, because it it sounds like the Mac is just it's having trouble holding on to the connection. Sounds very similar to what I've seen with with this other one in the past. Lastly, uh, perhaps there's something wrong with the software install on your Mac. So redoing the combo updater for 1056 six on your Mac might, might solve that. Right, John, that's, you know, that's something to try Perhaps. if the, the driver is not right and, or go into network, uh, system preference, remove the airport connection and, and then either let the system re-add it if it does it automatically, otherwise just re-add an airport mm-hmm. connection. So
0: now what gets me, I'm, I'm just looking at the specs for the airport extreme base. Uh, and I think it applies to all the Apple products now, mm-hmm. But there's a little footnote saying airport extreme Base Station is based on an IEEE 802.n draft specification. Draft? They didn't finish yet? I don't think so. Is that what you're telling me? I think so. so I'm, I not tell- just I'm not these- telling you anything. <laughs> so I just wonder if there's still these little inconsistencies between implementations between Vendor A and Vendor B and Vendor... X and uh, huh. I don't know. I'm surprised it's still. Uh, I, I, I'm still seeing that footnote. I saw it on the earlier stuff where we were talking about how upgrade, you know, from G to N. But I, yeah, I still see it. it I'm the, looking on Wikipedia where I
1: still don't think we have a page. Um, 802.11n is a proposed amendment to the IEEE 802.11 2007 wireless networking standard. So
0: yeah, it's, it's chaos. Uh, that, that's the answer. Maybe use G now. Well, anyways, yeah. Where are we at? Are uh, we at? So, speaking of
1: stumblers, James, uh, James.
3: Hi, John and Dave. This is James from Portland, Bergen. I'm listening to, I think it's episode 194, um, and in there, you guys are talking about potential Wi-Fi slowdown issues and a couple of tools to help chart or graph uh, Wi-Fi usage and and uh, you know basically stumbler utilities a really great one that I think a lot of people uh, don't really see much anymore is uh, AP Grapher. It's a really awesome tool. It's donationware, I'm not the developer, but and I don't know the developer, but it is a tool that I used to be an exclusive iStumbler user, and a buddy of mine turned me on to AP Grapher just because it's got a much lighter footprint and it doesn't seem to uh, bog the system down if you want to just sit there and run it in the background. And It has some other neat features where it reads off the the networks that it finds and stuff like that. But uh, really great tool, really great way to check and graph your throughput usage over a long period of time. Where iStumbler is mostly just uh, a connectivity and and its graphing features I've had issues with, and I've had also issues with it crashing on Intel Max. So take a look, uh, AP grapher. Just do a Google for it, and you'll find it. Thanks. Bye.
1: Cool. Thanks, James. And and we we did the Google. I think, John, you did the Google and, and found the link, and we'll put that in the show notes. ChimooSoft, C-H-I-M-O-O. Oh,
0: just look in the show notes. It'll be there. We promise. Yeah, <clears throat> no, it looks good. I was just running it, unfortunately. It just yeah. uh, crashed on me but uh oh that's not good <laughs> i
1: i ran it earlier today when when i was prepping the show and one thing that i looked for specifically was uh iStumbler does not report the channel i think for five gigahertz uh devices all it does is report the channel of like negative one or something and ap grapher actually gets the channel right now it's not that important unless you're looking to do exactly uh what we talked about for the last listener um Another way that you can find the channel if you don't have one of these stumblers is connect to each wireless network. And then uh, once you're connected to the network, go to the op- hit, hold down the option key and hit the airport menu in your menu bar. It'll show you a whole lot more information, including the channel that you're uh, that you're connected to.
0: Mm. Yes. OK. And also um, now AP Scanner is running. But um, when you see signal, remember, the smaller the number, the stronger the signal. It's kind of weird. It's so like here I have signals ranging from negative 70. I think it's dBm is what they measure it in. I forget. And uh, negative 70 is the strongest signal. I see some that are negative 81. So uh, another strategy is that especially if you're in a congested area is pick the ones that have the strongest signal as far as deciding what channels you should or should not be on rather than the ones that are far away. Right. Uh, if you're in a residential or apartment or something like that, there may be so many and that's you know, that's that's a problem.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, All right. So we've had uh, a couple of people contact us here, John. Let's let's tell. Let's make sure everyone knows how to contact us.
0: I know how to contact us. You can call us, which we love because we get audio comments and then David doesn't have to talk. (laughs) Uh, And I don't have to talk. And that's 206-666-Geek, which is. 4335. And I think you can email us at uh, feedback at macgeekab.com.
1: That's feedback at macgeekab.com, John?
0: Uh, last I checked, yeah. And you can feedback Skype us. At you can Skype us. That's right, too. You can try to Skype us. Uh, <laughs> Macgeekab. Yep, that uh, should uh, work.
1: And uh, and then, though this isn't necessarily a good way to ask a specific question for us to answer on the show, but uh, we always appreciate when you folks go and post iTunes comments and, and rate the show and uh, and all that good stuff. So we do appreciate it all. And now it's time to hear from Dave. 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 Uh, following up to our discussion on uh, Ram chips in the, in the I think in la, in the last show.
4: Hey guys, my name is Dave, listening to episode 194. Um, A different Dave called in asking about um, upgrading the RAM on his MacBook Pro, uh, and you guys are talking about do you do it matched with uh, 4 gigs or unmatched with a 2 and a 4 for a total of 6. This, to me, seemed like an obvious question, but um, why not just do matched 4-gig sticks and get 8 gigs total? um to me i would think that would make the most sense obviously it costs a little bit more but i would be very to me as far as i know i don't think the macbook would uh or the pro rather would max out at six i would think it would have a max of eight if it allowed anything more than four um because i haven't heard of any three good three gig sticks so there'd be no point to set a max of six if you uh if you couldn't do that matched so uh Anyways, that's just my two cents. Why not stick two four gigs in there and get a a total of eight gigs, and then you still get the speed boost. Uh, anyways, you can.
0: All right, this there, there's a whole lot to talk about here, Joe. It's a mess, man. Yep, I think that that's the problem here because we have different sources of information, Dave. Now we have the trusty uh, Apple specs let's section. yeah let's talk about what apple what apple says that's right so apple makes some claims about these machines and, and i believe if you look through the specs for the various machines or you know the era of machines that we were talking about um i think our machines officially dave which are i think the 2007 late 2007 macbook early Mac early, Pros? early 2008 or early 2008 yes uh I believe they officially support four gigabytes. Correct. They have two RAM slots, and I think all the portables, um, or at least the MacBook Pros, have two RAM slots. Correct. So that's what Apple says. Yeah. However. Now,
1: the current, it, it's worth noting that the current crop, so the, the unibody aluminum uh, 15 inches are, according to Apple, capable of going up to four gigabytes. The 17 inches are capable of going up to eight, just like Dave mentions uh so it it's important to note that because if you have a seventeen, you can do exactly what Dave says, but according to Apple, you can 't do that with the fifteen
0: however, well, well they don 't say you can't they just the spec doesn't tell you the entire truth the spec doesn 't tell <laughs> you that you can that 's right uh, uh, so yeah um now this this can be based on so a lot of times, and I think Apple tends to do this more than other vendors um not to bash any other vendors. Well, we could a little bit, but in general, I've seen Apple plan ahead. So, you know, RAM chips and hard drives and other things, you naturally assume they're going to come out with higher capacity. So we've seen Moore's Law and RAM chips keep growing. Um, So you can assume, even though current technology limits you to four gigs because there are only two two gig chips that you can have, maybe you can design the machine. So when the extra address lines or logic that talks to that extra memory becomes a reality and there's a nice spec and standard in place, you'll see it. Um, and I think what we found is that at least in the case of our machine, that tends to be the case to a certain degree, Dave. Yeah. To, to, to a certain degree. Well, you and I now, so from what we found, I, I think it was bare feet. Bare, um, bare feet did a, did a great test.
1: Yeah. And we'll, and we'll put a link to that. Now, um, what they found is that all macbook pros released since october of 2007 so the late 2007 models up through and including the current ones the 15 inch machines will support six gigs of ram one four gigabyte chip and one two gigabyte chip they did test the double fours they do not work it will it will boot but it as soon as you start using that that second chip, if you will, you know, going above four gigs, it the system starts to really slow down. And when you free up the RAM, it doesn't show it as free. Uh, they said, you know, n- no go. But the six huh. gigs works fine.
0: Okay, because as we, we we talked in the past, there is a slight performance increase if you have the same capacity and same type of chip in a MacBook Pro. Except in this case. <laughs> Except, right, just doesn't work, right. but yeah. Well, you're going beyond the specs anyway, but because I would think yeah. if yeah, if you put in two fours, there a match pair takes advantage of this what dual, dual channel thing. I think I, I think the memory
1: bus on or I, it wouldn't be the chip because I think it's the same chip in the 17, so it must be the memory bus on the um, uh, on the 15 inches just doesn't support uh, addressing yeah. more than than six gigs of RAM. I guess mm-hmm. yeah. For now, now I I talked to OWC. Uh, today, because you and I, or I know we both ordered our RAM from from Otherworld Computing, and when we ordered it for our you know early two thousand eight MacBook Pros, uh, we ordered a kit that that was essentially two two gig chips that were matched and you know were supposed to work just fine. And, and sure enough, of course, mm-hmm. they they work just fine. Yeah. Um, OWC now has a six gigabyte kit that's the same sort of thing. And I wondered, OK, you know, are we because we're pushing the limits of Apple specs here? Do we need to order the kit or if we want to do this, can we just buy a four gig chip and, and can we do it? And Brian from WWC's tech support says no problem purchasing a separate four gig module and installing it in addition to the two gig we already have. Don't need to buy the kit. However, one thing to make sure of is that the CAS latency rating for the two gig modules match the new four gig module. It's not a guarantee that you'll run into problems with different CAS latency, but I've heard of problems with some configurations using different latency memory. Uh, The ones that we bought, John, uh, are a latency of
0: uh, 5.0. And you know, I'm going to guess that CAS stands for Column Address Strobe. If you guessed that and you got it right, more power <laughs> to you. I, I honestly don't know. I haven't worked with RAM for a while, but I think that's one of the parameters. Is is yeah the the strobe signal that goes for columns or rows of uh, memory. Let well, me look that up. But uh, I got it. I, I got I, it here. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, I have it right here in 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 uh, in our favorite little Wikipedia. But I can't find what the acronym actually stands for.
0: Isn't that amazing? Yeah, CAS latency.
1: Yeah.
0: I found Not it. Great. Okay. Is it, right were, you, were you right? I, I think so.
1: Okay. Well, that's fine. But we'll, I'll, 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 uh, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, and then there's also two types of chips. There's stacked. And I, I read about this elsewhere. There's stacked memory and non-stacked memory. And I think that has to do with how it's built, but I don't know. Um, and stacked memory is going to run hotter than non-stacked memory. So, the recommendation is to run non-stacked.
0: Mm-hmm. So, that's... Okay. You know, I've seen some of the RAM chips and some of the, the recent, uh, especially the Pro machines. Yep. They've changed a lot. Oh, They've really? got heat sinks on them now. Oh? Like metal enclosures and all that. Yeah, check Uh-oh. out some of the latest chips, man. I, oh, I, I oh in the
1: in the desktop machines, you mean?
0: Oh, yeah. the Pro, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mac, Mac Pro machines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are they up to now? Eight or 16? Did they do 16 yet, or...? 16 what? Slots? Uh, cores? Oh. C- cores in the Pearl uh, machine. Or are they still up to eight? I think maybe they did do that. But, you know, from what I understand, uh, you know, I was, I was poking around for reports on this. I mean, how far do you go? And from what I understand, uh, there's a, a point of diminishing returns where, you know, a million cores is not going to be a million times faster. Right. Because there are limitations to the yeah, whole did, core We're, we're architecture. at eight cores right now. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of some vendors, uh, sure, yeah, offering offering more, but eight sounds like about the practical limit. But two is nice.
1: Well, I mean, we say that now, but you know, until we give, get our quad core, give, give us a couple <laughs> years and then we'll we'll go further. Uh, one oh, thing, yeah. one thing I want to note. So I our the the four gig kit. So two a two gig chip. I think from and I'm just using other world computing as a as a general source because that's where I was looking today. Um, is I think the I think it's about I don't know forty bucks for a for a, a two gig chip. It's no maybe it's like thirty bucks for a two gig chip. For a four gig chip, it's three hundred and sixty dollars or something. It it's well more than an order of magnitude more to double the size of that chip. Um, hmm. My guess is that those four gig chips will come down in price, but um, uh, you know over time. So. Are you upgrading anytime soon? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm, I'm toying with the idea because it would be nice to have six gigs of memory in the machine. Yeah, it's $31, I'm, I'm, $31 for a two gig module, $370 for a four gig module. Yeah. So yeah. more than one order of magnitude. Maybe we can get a deal because they know who we are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but even a deal, it's still. I mean, how much of a deal are you going to give us, right? I mean, it, it, you know, and I don't even, know, I'm, I'm, I'm. There's not a whole because, lot of margin on RAM. So
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, right now I'm running. I'm looking at my, uh, my uh, MacBook Pro, and I'm running about two gigs consumed and two gigs free. So lucky for you, man.
1: I, I constantly am pushing the limits of RAM on that machine. Yes. Oh, so here's something. I, I was talking to um, uh, James Thompson. Uh, who develops PCalc for the iPhone. I'm trying to think of I think it's just at pCalc.com, right? Um Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to figure out where he is here. Uh I was talking to him on Twitter today. I was having this problem where occasionally iCal will just like bloat up and start taking up two, maybe three gigs of RAM and uh and i have to force quit it nice. yeah and i just ranted about it on on twitter today and james you know being the smart guy that he is responded right away and said oh yeah man uh did you happen to delete an event uh, you know a one instance of a recurring event and i said that's ex- exactly right i did i you know i removed something that i wasn't going to do this week that i normally do every week and uh and he said, yep, that that'll do it. What happens is in the background, iCal starts creating thousands and thousands of of these extra recurring events. And the only way to fix it is to export that calendar out, open up the file and like edit, remove all of those, then reimport it back in and then don't ever do that again. Otherwise, it'll cause the same problem. So iCal really it it's just a bundle nice. of joy is what I find it to be <laughs> truly a bundle of joy. Yep. Yeah, piece of crap. Can we get busy? Cal, When are those BusySync guys going to be done with that? I really want that beta. I'll take the alpha. Yeah. Heck, I'll take the pre-alpha. I want something. There is no such thing. You've programmed software before. You know darn well that there's such
0: thing as a pre-alpha. Alpha is the first letter. You can't go before that.
1: And you, so you've never worked with, you've never written a piece of software that is at a stage that you would call pre-alpha? Oh, yes. but Okay, well, there you go. That's the point I'm trying to make. But you don't you don't expose that to the, the masses. No, no, of course you don't. I want I don't want it exposed to the masses. I want it exposed to me. Yeah. If somebody joined <laughs> in in the wrong part of that conversation, it could get very, very interesting seeing what yeah. their interpretation was. All I know is alpha is, yeah, you, you don't want it, man. Uh, well, it feels like I'm using alpha software with iCal, so that's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to stop talking. We'll let Ted. Ted yeah.
5: Hi, this is Ted from New Jersey with a few comments on your switcher questions from show number 193. The caller's first question was about NTFS. I imagine many folks called in to tell you about the 4GB file size limitation, but there are some other subtle issues related to copying files between these disk formats. For starters, in FAT32, file creation timestamps have a 2-second resolution, while HFS Plus has 1-second resolution. The rounding that occurs when you copy a file from HFS Plus to FAT32 may cause backup tools such as rsync to repeatedly copy over files that didn't actually change. There are ways to address this, but you should know that it happens. In addition, the timestamps are based on 1980. You can't have a FAT32 timestamp before 1980, so people like me who like to scan in old documents and photos and change the file timestamp to match the document might run into trouble. Like Neil from your last show, I use the Paragon driver, since I depend on NTFS for my backups, and I want to have a supported commercial product. One of the other switcher questions was about Windows shortcuts for using the keyboard instead of the mouse.
1: This gets good here, folks. L- listen to this. So so there's two good things here, and and uh, he's already said one, and and now he's going to say another. And this is this is actually really cool.
5: Dialog boxes. One setting that makes things a little easier is found in system preferences, keyboard and mouse, and then the keyboard shortcuts tab. I think it was hidden in Universal Access in Tiger. At the bottom, there's a pair of radio buttons that controls full keyboard access. If you select all controls, then the tab key will allow you to tab through buttons and such, just like in Windows. This is where you cut me off.
1: Oh, okay. Hey, hey, hey hey, hey, hey! All right, good. I oh, got him. Cool. <sighs> got it. You know, I I've, never looked I've, at that. I sp- never really explored that. I was spraying Vocal Ease on my throat here, John. Mm. At from travelwellness.com. dot They mm-hmm. don't. They don't pay me to say that. I. I I'm pretty sure I bought this stuff, but it, mm-hmm. it tastes good and it makes your throat feel better. But it doesn't make me sound any better. So, no. go ahead, go. Hmm. Ted. We were talking about, Ted, you had something to say. I interrupted you rudely, remember?
0: Well, what about Ted here? So we had a couple of things here. Um, I don't know, I guess the, uh, well, the one thing that that caught my attention there was the whole uh, NTFS deal and why you should use it, right? Yeah. So um, the file limit, uh, time date stamp, um, no, I'm with that. But then the, the keyboard shortcut, that was really good.
1: I had that on on my computer when when I was listening to this for the first time. I went, you know, I followed him through and went to system preferences, keyboard and mouse, uh, you know, and then keyboard shortcuts and all controls was selected. And sure enough, he's right, man. You can tab through radio buttons and do all that stuff with the keyboard. I don't I guess I never tried it. Uh, You know, I do, though. I use that a lot now that I think about it, because whenever I set up a new machine, I have multiple reply addresses in, in mail app. So if you're an Apple Mail app user and you have multiple email addresses all coming into the same account, what you can do is um and I'm gonna I'm gonna get us there. So if you go to mail preferences accounts, uh and then you choose your account and it says email address. So you put description in and then email address. Well, you can put multiple addresses there separated by a comma. And then you'll get a magic little menu when you compose a new message that lets you pick the email address it's going to come from. Even cooler is that if you reply to a message, it'll auto pick an address from there if it was sent to one of them. So kind of keeps everything straight, which I really like. I use that. The reason I have that all thing turned on is because I use the keyboard to tab around and get to that menu and pick my uh, pick my my the email from which I am sending so, uh, so I, I guess I did use that, but I never realized it would work in dialogue boxes. So,
0: okay. And I ran across it too. So back on track here. Um, yeah, hey, I was I, giving out I good information release?
1: there. That's, that's quality stuff. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. You want, you want another little bonus? If you, the iPhone supports exactly the same thing, but you can't enter multiple addresses In the iPhone settings app, because the keyboard that you get, the instance of the keyboard that you get in the mail in the mail settings app or in the mail settings pane on the iPhone does not have a comma. So you can't put multiple addresses in. However, if you put them in on your Mac and then using iTunes, sync that mail account down to your iPhone, then you can pick different email addresses by clicking or tapping on the email address. In the iPhone, and it'll bring up one of those roly-poly little uh, wheels that you can pick your email address from. So, quality uh,
0: information here, folks. This is good stuff. Or and and I ran paid. into this also, the uh, all controls thing. Yeah. i yeah. trying to remember the emulator, if it was VirtualBox or VMware or Parallels, but one of them, I could not, for whatever reason, get something to work the way it should have worked in the Windows environment. Um, It involved holding down, like, I don't know if it was Control-Alt-Delete or something like that. Or some, you know, uh, keyboard combo in Windows that required, like, three keys, including a function key. Then I went to line, support forms uh, for the product. Again, I don't remember the specifics. And someone said, hey, you know, if you enable this on the Mac side, maybe it'll work better. And it did. So this is like a hidden little gem here. And it sounds to me like it should probably always be set to the value that it's not. (laughs) I guess uh, yeah although I can see it kind of throwing people off if they're not, not well all controls right. yeah could be overwhelming if if you're yeah if you're if you're used to because you know as they say you know text boxes and lists only uh, it's probably expected behavior so yeah but anyways good tip
2: yeah
0: um,
1: all right drive speeds which we, we, we're gonna do one more thing here and, and one more then we'll, then we'll talk ourselves out of this but uh, yeah here we go Josh
6: Hey, John and Dave. This is John from Santa Fe, New Mexico. John. Um, I was just finished listening to podcast 194, where you were talking about the different speeds in laptop drives. And I've been fortunate enough to have several different laptops and drives. And at one point, I owned a MacBook Pro Intel Core 2 Duo with a 250-gig, 7,200 RPM drive. Which I replaced with a 500 gig, 54 5400 RPM drive. So I had both drives in my possession, and I ran some speed bench tests, uh, Mac bench, I believe I used, with both drives in the case, and then also a- uh, with actually with both drives connected to a Firewire, firewire 800 case externally. Um, <laughs> and in both cases, the 500 gig 5400 RPM drive was noticeably faster than the 250 gig 7200 RPM drive. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it it was significant, uh, the order of 10-15 um, percent or more, maybe 20 percent if I, if my memory serves me. Um, just a uh, uh, Empirical evidence of, of what you were talking about in the sense that it's not just the drive's rotational speed, and it's not even the amount of cache. It's uh, quite a bit of, uh, quite a few things all added up to um, equal the speed of the drive. So, you can never really tell until you've actually either tested or, or you've got real numbers, which manufacturers don't seem to want to share with us. So love the show um no need to leave info, no need to contact me just bought
1: I- all right thanks John. and sorry to have called you Josh. I misheard your name uh yeah, so n- no great surprise there, but uh, glad to hear that we're not the crazy ones and uh and 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 he found what we found
0: right yeah because I think the, the the your your average person on the street, if you said which is faster fifty four or seventy two they'd say 72. 72. That's not always yeah, the case. Because, well, 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 that aspect is
1: faster, it but it's not faster, the whole picture. That's right. It well, is, it's fast. It, if you are interested
0: faster. in how fast the platter is spinning, yeah. then absolutely it's faster. If you're talking about data throughput, eh. Eh. Yeah. Eh.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to... Uh, yeah, uh, we have a um, hit the button. We have an interesting scheduling thing this week because right, we didn't do a show last night. We're doing it tonight. So instead of Monday, we're doing Tuesday, and then you're out of town next week. So we're actually recording our next show on Saturday. And you know what? I'm, we're just going to release it on Saturday. There's no reason to hold yeah. it until Monday. Uh, so well, you we get,
0: could let it ferment and and ripen, and
1: we don't that. we don't want our show to foment violence, John. <laughs>
0: That's not yes, what I'm going meant. to The Vision Show in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, cool. Can
1: I, can, I rant, can I rant about something quick that has nothing to do with our show, but has go. everything to do with me and my life? In fact, I'd like to yes. ask all our listeners for, for good vibes sent our way here at about uh, noon Mountain. So that's 2 Eastern on Thursday afternoon. Because uh, Lisa and I tried to get tickets to go see fish out in Colorado and uh, take a little summer vacation and... We both tried the pre-sale, and it failed, so we have to go the uh, the Ticketmaster route on on uh, on Thursday afternoon. So we're looking we're looking for good vibes sent our way. That's all. So That's all. I'll I'll take anything. I, I'll take anything I can get. I'd love to go away again. You know, it'd be good. It'd be nice. You could take the TMO copter. Well, yeah. Oh, that's right. It's a TMO business trip because I'll be out there visiting uh, Jeff Gamut and John Mart- John because they're both uh, mm. right in that area. So, awesome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I can get there. I have a hotel already. I just don't have access to the concert. I don't like mm-hmm. going and you know, adding to the mayhem. So, but we were there the last time. Fish was in uh, Red Rocks. The last we drove from the Texas. last
0: last time, right?
1: Well, yeah, it was. I think it was 1996, something. They, they got banned from the town because too many people come to the come to the show. The place only holds like 9,000 people, and I don't know, like <laughs> like 40,000 people showed up in the town of Morrison, Colorado. That has like, I think there's like 300 residents or something. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's
5: ridiculous. Yeah. So,
1: uh, we told you how to find us. We told you how to contact us. Rather, you've already found us. Clearly, 666 geek, which is four three three five. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com will email to us. And, oh, John, I've started doing something uh, new. You know, I I was talking before how in mail you have the ability to add email addresses uh, that you can send mail from. Well, now when I reply to people's emails uh, as, that, that have come into the feedback at macgeekgab.com address, mm-hmm. I send it from a feedback at macgeekgab.com so that their replies will always come back to both of us and, and we don't wow. have to worry about that. That's right. Dude, I should do that, to you, Dora. I yep. Can. See? Exactly. And it'll automatically do it, because you just reply and it's smart enough to figure it out. I wish the iPhone was smart enough to figure it out on the replies. It's not. Uh, yeah. Man. Yeah, but you can pick it. So, you know. Uh, you can pick your friends. You can pick your email address. What is it in there? There's, there's some... Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> finish. <laughs> I, I won't finish that. iPhoneAlley.com is Michael Johnston's home when, uh, when he is not here converting the podcast. Cashfly.com is the place from which all the bandwidth comes. If that makes sense in any grammatical way. Uh, the uh, what happened? Oh, you know what? I rambled too they long are three. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's cold outside today. The band froze. Uh, let's go figure, ladies and gentlemen. There, uh, playing selections from the answer. The podcast marketplace includes a two desktop speakers from audio engine, disc label and PDF pen from smile on my Mac notebook from circus ponies, BB edit from Barebone software and audible one free book at audiblepodcastcom podcast.com slash Mac gab all through the backbeat media podcast network. Do you have anything else to say before we, uh, no get out of here. You want to tell them how to find you on Twitter? No. Well, well I'll, I'll tell them it's uh, twitter.com slash John F. Braun for him and twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton for me. And, uh, and even though Pilot Pete's not here, you can always find him at twitter.com slash pilot Pete. And now are we done? There's people following me. I know. Why almost are they a thousand. I always worry when I'm driving about Isn't all the that people weird? that are following me. <laughs> yeah, me too. I know. How do they know where I'm going?
0: Yeah. Well, if you embed your, uh, if you use your iPhone, you know, that's the weird thing I noticed. It's true. Some people have protected profiles, but they'll broadcast their location. Mm, That's not protected.
3: You say it, (laughs) you know they're going to get caught. May not.